uh, to the Christian, peace is not the absence of something like the absence of war. Um, for the Christian, peace is the presence of something, or rather someone. You see, peace, true peace, is the presence of Jesus. True peace is the presence of Jesus. Now, I mentioned that uh, peace is not the end goal last time we met, and, and uh, I read from you from uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and how Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. See, Jesus is the end goal. It's Jesus whom we fix our eyes upon. As we run this Christian race, Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And what is faith? Well, back up from chapter 12 to chapter 11, and it tells us faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. We'll come back to this first, but let's just recap from last time so we can put everything together. The main point of this message is true peace is the presence of Jesus. In other words, it's not so much what peace isn't or what it's the absence of. It's what peace is. It's the presence of Jesus. You'll recall the clever maxim, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. For those of you listening on audio only, it's N-O Jesus, N-O peace, K-N-O-W, Jesus, K-N-O-W, peace. Well, we looked at two ways how we can know peace. The first way is we know peace because Jesus is impartial, and we showed that from Scripture last time. The second way is we know peace because Jesus is righteous. And before we get to the third way, you'll remember we left off with an admonition from God's word in both a negative and a positive. Don't repay evil with evil, and as much as you are able, do Live at peace with others. Hmm. Live at peace with others. That's easier said than done sometimes, isn't it? But listen to Romans 12, 17 through 19. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can do to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Never leave excuse me, leave that to the righteous anger of God for the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. See, God not only wants us to have peace, but to promote peace. Sure, as a Christian, it's, it's wonderful to have peace, to have that gift of God, that knowledge of God, that knowledge of peace, true peace, but it's not for us alone. We are to promote peace. That is to say, we ought to be peacemakers. Now granted, sometimes that takes time and patience, like a seed takes time to grow. Listen to what it says in James 3.18. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Plant seeds of peace. Plant the seed. The world needs peace. We know Jesus. We know peace. But instead of only knowing peace because Jesus is righteous, be a peacemaker and reap a harvest of righteousness. After all, it is our imputed righteousness that means we are declared to be right before God on the basis of the righteousness of God, which, of course, is given to us when we believe. It's not something that we muster up or conjure up or, or can deserve or do. It's it's not works of our own that can justify us before God, but we're made righteous before God because of what Jesus did on the cross. 
He alone is righteous. He alone was sinless. And it is the righteousness of Christ alone that justifies us before God the Father through faith alone. Isn't that a most peaceful thought? To know such peace because we know Jesus and the assurance of everlasting peace for all eternity in heaven because of Jesus. And shouldn't we want to share that peace? Become a peacemaker. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard just living at peace with others. Sometimes we want to take matters into our own hands and we have to remember that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Um, you know, we remember what Jesus said at the Sermon on the Mount. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's what the law said. But Jesus says, I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. See, Jesus is calling us to a higher standard. Okay, now, you might think, um, all right, I can withhold my, you know, vengeful feelings, leave it up to the Lord, but love my enemies? Wow, that's a tall order. Pray for those who persecute me? Well, that whole living at peace with others, that wasn't a suggestion. But Jesus gives us the strength to be able to do it. Again, living at peace with others isn't always easy, but what makes it easier is that this peace is not something of ourselves. It is a gift from God. We don't create peace. It's given to us. We don't give something that we've made. We give something that Jesus has given to us to give away to someone else. So number three, we know peace because it is a gift from God. Jesus left us with a precious gift. He said to his disciples in John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift, from, is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. This is a gift from God. Now, it may not be what you'd like to hear, but you know, in this world, there, there will be troubles. And we can be hated just for being a Christian, just for his namesake. But he still gives us this gift of peace, peace of mind and peace of heart. He also said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Listen, and don't miss this because... We live in this Me Too culture, which, quite frankly, can become self-centered at times. But we need to hold fast to the promise of God that says, even in the midst of troubles, he is with us. He gives us that peace. He has overcome the world, and he is the one that says, I am with you. Jesus didn't say, love your enemies as a cruel joke. What did we learn about God's partiality last time? John 3, 16, God so loved the world so that all who would believe. God shows no partiality. He doesn't pick and choose people who are, who are good enough or deserving enough. He died once and for all 
for all. And if Jesus is impartial to everyone, we must look that way to him too. We must look to others that way too. Because the Bible says, we were once far away from God, we were his enemies, separated from him by our evil thoughts and actions. So if we were once God's enemies, wouldn't it stand a reason that people whom we consider enemies are the same people that God wants to save himself? That they should also receive the gift of peace that, that we have ourselves? We've been gifted with peace, but look around. The world is hurting. It's filled with hurting people. And as you know, hurt people hurt people. So it shouldn't surprise you by the actions of lost people. What we should be doing is being like Jesus, seeking and saving the lost. That's why he came. And this is a whole paradigm shift from looking inward only that we should look outward, seeing the world through the eyes of Jesus. It isn't, of course, suggesting that we ignore our own struggles, but knowing that in the midst of our struggles, we have Jesus. Think about those around us who are struggling without Jesus. Are you facing trials and sorrows now? Maybe you struggle with your health or with your finances. Maybe there's strife with a family member or a business colleague. These are struggles. These are storms. There's, there's storms in life, and we all go through storms. We're not exempt from them. We just read that it, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. But know this, Jesus is our peace in the midst of the storm. Jesus is our peace in the midst of the storm. Let's turn to Mark 4, 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to, them, said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Most of us are familiar with this story, and we marvel at how Jesus was able to uh, have the winds and the sea obey him. But we may also marvel why Jesus would have asked the disciples why they were so afraid and, and why he questioned their faith. I mean, obviously he saw what was going on. Well, remember the definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Here's the lesson. When Jesus spoke, peace be still, he was showing the evidence of what the disciples could not see. He was showing the evidence of what the disciples could not see. Peace didn't show up when the winds and waves ceased. Peace was already there. In the very midst of the storm, peace was already present. Why? Because of the presence of Jesus. The disciples just lacked the faith to see it. Peace is not the absence of the storm. Peace is the presence of 
of Jesus. Let me say that again. Peace is not the absence of the storm. Peace is the presence of Jesus. We all face storms, but it doesn't come from our circumstances. Peace comes from Jesus. In fact, before Jesus was to be arrested, he comforted his disciples, saying, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In me you will have peace. That was Jesus' comfort to his disciples, and it's our comfort as well. Again, this peace can only be seen through the eyes of faith, something the disciples lacked during the storm. In fact, you could say the peace was staring them right in the face, and they were clueless. They, they totally missed it. They didn't understand that peace is the presence of Jesus. But it's why the Bible calls it peace which exceeds anything we can understand. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, but it's real. Jesus is real. Even in our storms, we are with him and he is with us. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. So our peace, our security, our comfort, our confidence, our faith in the midst of a storm is being with Jesus. Here's a peaceful thought, and you don't even have to understand. That's why it's called faith. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We may understand how it all works, but this is the word of God. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that any person may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, the Bible is clear, and here's some fill-ins for you, that we are saved through faith alone. It also shows here that we are not saved by good works. But we are saved for good works. See, God is not a cosmic vending machine to whom you can say a prayer and get a golden ticket to heaven and then just live your life as you please. No, we're to live our lives, how? Pleasing to God. So what are these good works God prepared for us that we should walk in them? Well, in a word, ministry. That's right. God has shaped each of us and granted us certain spiritual gifts when we became a Christian. Why? To serve in ministry that he prepared and uniquely equipped each and every one of us for. In fact, not only has God called us to serve, he knows what we enjoy doing, which of course is typically what we're good at. And who do you suppose created us to be good at certain things? Right, we just read in Ephesians, we are his workmanship. Another translation reads, we are his handiwork. God created us to do certain things well and to enjoy doing those things. And wouldn't it be a circumstance? Of course, there are no circumstances with God. There wouldn't be a coincidence. That's the word I'm looking for. There are no coincidences with God. That the ministry to which God has called you is something that you're uniquely good at because God made you that way and you would enjoy doing it because God knows you enjoy doing it, that's your shape. 
And let's make it personal. As you grow in knowledge, okay, we're looking at Ephesians 2, 8, and 10. As you grow in knowledge and wisdom through daily prayer and Bible study, you'll be able to serve the Lord gladly. Not serve grudgingly, but serve gladly. Doing what you do best just as God created you. That's good news. Okay, let's go back to the question. What are these good works God prepared for us that we should walk in them? Look at Colossians 1, 9 through 11. God created us, okay, listen, that we may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. There it is, pleasing to him. Bearing fruit in every what? Good work. Pleasing to him, good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. This is good work with joy. This isn't good work like, oh, time to go to work. No, this is like, thank you, Lord, that I can do this. It's joy. When Jesus was resurrected, we read in John 20, 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. The disciples were scared. I mean, there, there were people out hunting them to kill them. Jesus shows up and says what? Peace be with you. Remember when Moses asked God in the burning bush, who shall I say sent me? And God replied, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. He said his name was I am. How many remember grammar lessons in grade school when we learned the, the verb to be, right? It demonstrates a state of being, words like am and is. Well, that's who God says he is. He is. And God is past, present, and future. God is, God was, and God ever shall be. Amen. So now after Jesus had risen from the dead, he stands before his disciples and says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. What did we learn? True peace is the presence of whom? Jesus. Jesus could have said, peace is with you. Why? Because I am with you. In the, presence of Je in the presence of Jesus, there was peace. The verb to be with you, Jesus was with them. Jesus is peace. His presence is peace. Jesus could have said, I am with you. And he says, peace be with you. And there was peace. Just like when Jesus was in the boat with his disciples in the midst of the storm and, and they panicked for lack of faith because they didn't realize that peace was with him all along. If you know Jesus, you know peace. Let's continue in the next verses in John 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord and Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so am I sending you. 
You see, the peace of Jesus is not meant for us alone. Again, John 3, 16, God so loved the world, everyone, that he what? Sent his only son. And what did Jesus say? As the Father sent me, John 3, 16, so I am sending you, John 20, 21. Jesus is telling his disciples and us that he is sending us. Well, why did Jesus come? Jesus said of himself in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So it only stands to logic that we are to do likewise. Jesus said to his followers after they asked him, well, let's back up. His followers asked Jesus, what must, me, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Okay, they had the same question we're looking at. All right, if we're not saved by works, what are these works that we're supposed to do once we're saved? Well, Jesus answered them, and he's answering us the same way. Jesus said in John 6, 29, he answered, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So if the work of God is for us to believe in him, and Jesus was sent in the world so that all would believe in him, and we were sent by Jesus as God the Father sent Jesus, then we are also sent so that people would believe in him. That's an awesome responsibility. We were sent so that everyone would believe in God. That's not something that we can just lie back and just coast. Now, we think of peace, all right? Cabin in the woods, you know, sandy beach. Another word we often associate with peace is rest. And rest is biblical. Rest is good. God rested on the seventh day after his six days of creation. Culminating in creating of man and woman, male and female, and his likeness and image. But see, there's a time for rest. Rest is good, but there's also a time for work. There's a time for rest, but there's a time for work. What do we read in Genesis after each day of God's creative work? And God saw it was good. There was good work, and God rested. But there was work. It's not rest alone. Anybody know a sound sleeper? I mean, like a really sound sleeper, like they could sleep through anything? Ever jokingly use the phrase, or he or she is dead to the world? Yeah, you've heard that? Well, may I suggest to you that in some ways, the church of Jesus Christ is asleep. So much so that we may even be dead to the world. We're not affecting the world, loving the world, waking up and doing the good work which God has called us and sent us to do. Again, we're saved by faith and not by good works, but we're saved for good works. We're not saved by faith so we can tuck our golden ticket under our pillow and then just sleep through the godlessness outside our bedroom window. We simply can't afford to be dead to the world when the world needs Jesus now more than ever. And we don't serve a dead religion. Jesus didn't die on the cross and that was it. He rose again. He's alive. And right after he rose, he went right to his disciples. And what did he say? 
peace be with you. And I send you so you can be peacemakers and share this peace with others. That's for us too. Turn on the news. Do you see peace? Scroll through Facebook or Twitter. Do you see peace? Look out your own window to your community, your schools, the government. Do you see peace? Well, what are we to do? Become a peacemaker. Remember that peace like a seed? It, it takes time to grow. Think of, think of a maple tree, big, huge maple tree. And you know those seeds that look like little propellers, right? I have them all over my house. <laughs> well, like faith, Jesus said all you need is faith as small as a mustard seed. When the seed sprouts, it's small, but it grows. And if you think of that little, little seed from a maple tree that kind of flutters down and when it sprouts, it's as small as that tree will ever be. But it's still a tree. Let's return to Colossians 1, 9 and 11 again. It says to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power. See, as you continue to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, doing the good work to which you have been called, you'll be strengthened. And just like that little seed grows from a sprout to a sapling, it is being strengthened. And it begins to look more and more like the tree from which it came. So as we continue to be in Jesus, as we just read, as we continue to grow in the knowledge and wisdom of Christ, we are strengthened. So we're able to withstand all of these onslaughts of evil and temptation in the world, but not for our own sake, so that we can positively affect the world for Christ's glory because we're being strengthened through Christ. And as we do that, we begin to look more and more like Jesus. Just like that little sapling begins to look more and more like the tree from which it came. See, that's what it means in Colossians when it says fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit is the way a tree duplicates itself. And that's precisely what is pleasing to God. That is, Christians duplicating ourselves to make more Christians. It's the very definition of the Great Commission when Jesus commanded us to make disciples of all people. But here's something interesting about the maple tree. It produces a type of seed known as um, a samara. It's that helicopter or propeller seed. And what's unique about it, it's designed to spin as it falls. So it stays aloft longer. It, it descends more slowly. So it enables the wind to carry it further from the tree. Now, why should that be so? Well, if you want to use that as a metaphor for us, we're not to cloister ourselves up in a little church commune away from the world. We're to be driven by the wind of the Holy Spirit into the world. As the Father sent Jesus and now Jesus sends us, let the wind of the Holy Spirit blow us further away. We're not supposed to just fall from the tree and just stay there. 
We're supposed to go out. Jesus says, go out to all the world, to Samaria, to Judea, to the ends of the earth. Go out. Let the wind blow you. Fly. (laughs) Don't just stay right here. That's what he's saying to us too. And that's why we're like that seed, that we would go forth and make disciples. Or as we like to say here at Woodland, to make passionate followers of Christ. Start with a seed and watch it grow. But do the work. Plant the seed. Yeah, but I don't know a lot of theology. Well, just invite them to church. Plant the seed. Yeah, but what if they reject me? They're not rejecting the messenger. They're rejecting Christ. Just plant the seed. Yeah, but I've not lived like I know I should. And no one's perfect. But Jesus is. Plant the seed. Yeah, but they've known me before I got saved. And well, all the, me- all the more reason to let Christ know, let them know what Christ has done for you. Plant the seed. Yeah, but we've been friends for years and they're going to ask me why I waited so long. Philippians 2.12. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Besides, would you put your ego above your friend's soul? Are your feelings worth more than, your, than where your friend spends eternity? Plant the seed. Plant the seed. No more yeah buts. Plant the seed. Romans 13.11. And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Wake up, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And listen to this, John 9, 4. Jesus said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one and work. Do the work. Plant the seed. Do the work of whom Christ sent us. Night is coming. It's the beginning of November. And the days are getting shorter. The night comes sooner. It may be a coincidence, but as I'm preaching this message, Night is coming sooner. And Jesus can come at any time. Work while it is day. Church, we need to heed the word of God. We need to wake from our slumber. We need to look outside our bedroom window. And we need to see the need of this world for the peace of Jesus Christ. It's not too late. It's still day. Jesus has called us. He has sent us. We must do the work. We must plant the seed. We must bear fruit, make disciples, and become a peacemaker. Do you want to be a peacemaker? If you know Jesus as your Savior, then you are called and sent to be a peacemaker. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're listening to this uh, audio while while you're walking or running, you too can know the presence of God by trusting in him, receiving by faith the forgiveness of all your sins, 
and have that peace that exceeds your understanding to know that you have assurance of eternity with God in heaven forever. And all you have to do is believe. That was the work that Jesus said, to believe. Jesus came to forgive you of all of your sins. And if you pray this prayer, God will answer that prayer and forgive you. So pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, after hearing this message, I, I recognize that you are the author and finisher of faith. I know that it is by faith that, that I accept forgiveness of sins. It's by faith that I'm asking you to, to make me clean, to forgive me of my sins, and to justify me. Make, make me right before God. Put me in, a, in, in good standing with God, not because of what I've done, but because of what you've done. Lord Jesus, I make you my Lord and my Savior. Father, I commit my life to you. Lord, I ask you to give me this perfect peace. And Lord, I ask you to strengthen me so that I may share your peace with others. Father God, I want to be used in ministry. I want to be that seed that grows stronger and stronger until I look more and more like you. I want to bear fruit, fruit that remains, so that there are more and more people like you because of me. Father God, we may see the seeds in an apple, but only you can see the apples in the seed. One seed can become an apple tree. And from that apple tree can, can grow dozens of apples. Each of those apples with dozens of seeds. And so on and so on. Lord, you've just called us to be part of the process. To just plant the seed. Lord, you send the rain. We don't command the, the, the clouds to give rain. We don't, we don't make the sun shine. We just plant the seed. So Father, may we be faithful to do the good work, to plant the seed while it is day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thank you all for being here and thank you at home for listening. And um, if you wanna know more information, you could email us at info at woodland.church. Uh, if you have any questions, and also remind you that you can always give electronically uh, through texting at the number on the bottom of your screen to Woodland Church, all one word, or by using our app, um, clicking give, or by going to our website, woodland.church, and clicking give. Um, it's through your giving that we're able to be the church in this community and to help people in need to be peacemakers ourselves through the efforts of you through your faithfulness. Thank you, and God bless you. Good night.